This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. I'm Jenna Million, and this is a podcast where we discuss feminist issues in music and pop culture, all while empowering fangirls. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did. And today, we are getting candid with vacations. So if you're new here... Welcome to Name Three Songs. You're listening to our artist interview series, and we've gotten to talk to some like really exciting artists for this series so far. Jenna and I have really been enjoying like getting to dive into artist interviews again. And recently, we spoke to Ben Roder of the New York City rock band Quarters of Change. We got to talk about like how New York City is such a special place when it comes to music and how rock music is like really happening here again, which is like one of my favorite topics to talk about. And on top of that, just like getting to discuss with him like the importance. Of being vulnerable as an artist in your art. I think it was very cool. And honestly, just like one of my favorite conversations we've had. In addition to that, we also recently talked to Charlotte Sands, who's a pop rock artist. And last year she got to open for five seconds of summer. And it was honestly so cool to hear her talk about her experience opening for five seconds of summer because she wanted to tour with them so badly purely because she loves their fan base. (laughs) And that is just like so wholesome and like recognizing fangirl culture for what it is, which is exactly what we care about. Yeah. So we had like a really fun time talking with her and getting to hear her story of connecting with Five Sauce fans during the tour as well as the fact that she's putting out her debut full-length album on January 24th. And we got to hear the stories of the music she's been working on and how this is like the most vulnerable music she's made throughout her career. And so along with this artist interview series that we do, we also have weekly episodes of our podcast where we discuss pop culture news under a feminist lens. And this past week's episode, we were specifically focusing on how Ariana Grande and Lil Nas X both had singles come out that stirred up so much controversy on two very different levels because Little Nas X was causing controversy with the people who love religion and Ariana Grande was causing controversy because she forgot that when you're famous, everybody pays attention to everything you do. And she's like, not me. And it's like, Ari, girl, you're being scandalous and you're a public figure. What do you expect? My favorite part of all this is Ariana making a diss track for the general public. (laughs) (laughs) She really was just like, you're paying too much attention to me. It's like, stop being the most famous woman ever then. (laughs) (laughs) So if you guys want to hear our full thoughts on that, we have new episodes every Wednesday. And come chat with us. Come hang out on Instagram, on TikTok. We love hearing your thoughts and feelings. If you liked this episode, if you want to hear us interview other artists, if you want to come discuss pop culture with us, we are here for all of it. We are at Name3Songs on all platforms if you want to come chat with us. And with all that being said, now we are getting candid with Campbell Burns from the band Vacations. They're an Australian indie rock band back with their third studio album, No Place Like Home, which came out earlier this January. The album sees Vacations exploring ideas of loneliness, relationships, the idea of home, as well as Campbell's own diagnosis with pure OCD. Last year, the band toured across the globe, playing shows in America, Europe, Singapore, Indonesia. And I think they have so much more exciting stuff ahead of them in 2024. 
so we're getting candid with Campbell from Vacations about how the band broke out of the Australian music bubble through using SoundCloud, as well as the importance of being honest with your mental health struggles in order to be like the best advocate you can be when it comes to like discussing mental health and just being open about it, as well as just like breaking the image of the untouchable rock star, which I think was my favorite part of this interview because Campbell's like, who, me? A rock star? He's like, I'm, we're all just dudes. We're all just dudes yeah, dudeing. We're, we're all just dudes being a dude. And I was like, he gets it. Respect. <laughs> <laughs> and so with all of that, let's go get candid with Campbell. Hello, Campbell. Welcome to the show. G'day. How you doing? Good. We are so excited to have you on. Jumping right into things. Vacations mm. had a really massive 2023. You pretty much played all over the world, including America, including Europe. You even got to go over to Singapore and Indonesia for the first time. And now you've just released your third studio album, No Place Like Home, and you're headed out on a festival circuit in Australia as well. (laughs) Many, many things happening. (laughs) Many things have been happening. Many things are going to be happening. Have you Mm -hmm. had a moment to like soak it all in and like pause and relish in what's happening? No. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, I don't think I really have. And I think it's a really interesting balance of trying to recognize what rest is and what work is and trying to find that sort of lifestyle balance because I moved to Los Angeles in May of last year after traveling for about five or six months straight just with no fixed address uh, living out of my suitcase and even though I've been here since then I've probably spent maybe a max of two weeks at home just because of the constant travel touring it's a lifestyle that's very up very down and it's almost kind of confronting when you come back home and your tour's done or the album's done and now you're like what do i do with myself yeah you're like, even though now? it's like when i even though when i'm on tour it's like i want to do the most mundane human things possible <laughs> i just want to like go buy groceries or and make myself a nice meal do my mm. laundry make my bed read a book or just mm. sit and do nothing like crazy concept but those are yeah. things that i miss but then it's like when you actually get it it's like oh this is weird so i'm just trying to learn how to i guess rest and relax which is something i feel like i'm very good at especially also being a tourist but it's just like it's tricky yeah. when you're just also constantly on the road and that's kind of what you know i'm just like <laughs> it's like the, the idea of sitting still being far into someone is <laughs> an interesting <laughs> thing to think about but i mean yeah. like as jenna said like you guys have been constantly on the road so it definitely makes sense but on top of that like you guys have been a band for like close to a decade now which is crazy which is Being- weird it's really <laughs> yeah. weird to think about well because yeah. i started um it wasn't even a band it was just like a project like an outlet yeah. for myself because i started writing songs and i had a tumblr account at the time and i kind of missed tumblr in that sense it felt like such a slow <laughs> patient yeah. like almost like mindfulness uh social media platform but it's like myself and like my best friends and it's like i'm just gonna post a song and share it to like my like small corner of the world on the internet mm-hmm. and it was sort of a great, a great testing ground for that but um yeah slowly spiraled and then people joined and it became a band and it's, it's weird to think now that it's almost been a decade but we feel like we're still so young as a band so in thinking of you guys having been a project for you know 10 years now and like different variations of that at the start i'm really curious because coming from newcastle australia sometimes australia is like so far away that it feels like its own yeah. creative bubble so for you when you started this did it feel like touring the world was something that could be a reality for you Absolutely not. Almost naive and kind of cute to reflect on, but I really only thought about my music in the proximity of my hometown and Mm. my friends. I did not see it even traveling 
as far as Sydney, which for context, who's listening, um, it's a city that's two hours away from Newcastle by car. So I I just didn't even think about it. I don't know. I was in my own little world, um, just playing DIY house shows, uh, going to gigs all the time, just really invested in my local music scene, my community, which is funny because it's like, obviously being a child of the internet, of course, music can travel so far, but right it's it's not where my head was at i never thought like oh like someone in america could be listening to it or someone in russia or argentina or whatever like i i was really like this is what's here and what's in front of me i'm going to engage with this which i think is a positive thing i mean it's really interesting because i think a lot of musicians who start in smaller cities and especially in america if you're not in like a nashville new york or la it can feel like i'm just doing this in the present for my immediate friends and my personal happiness but how do you think it started to expand beyond just like you and your community in your city because the second ep vibes came out december 2016 mm-hmm. and then i think in january of 2017 uh a few people on youtube like which is such a golden age for music as well and like bedroom pop yeah. in particular mm-hmm. but there were a few people on youtube that had a following and would just be constantly uploading music probably the most prominent person I can think of is David Dean Birkenhart. He had like a huge YouTube channel and he would upload our music and then we started getting traction and like Mm. I was just like getting exposed to all these people commenting on our music and being perceived in that way for the first time, which was very overwhelming, but exciting. I think like through that and also SoundCloud when that was really like prominent, like because outside of the whole mumble rap wave, there also Mm. was a really big bedroom pop scene so it's kind of through that it's like that's almost like the first wave of it before you get to like the whole tiktok right virality yeah. which is like times 10 so you mentioned this like idea of being perceived and i think that that's really interesting yeah. because like also to us in america it's like australia is so far away and like australia as a country <laughs> all of the cities all of the cities itself are so far i know away what you think of too. us <laughs> no <laughs> But all of the cities are also so far away from each other. So I'm sure like Mm -hmm. that can feel quite isolating in its own sense. And so going from being like not only in a like smaller town, but in a small town in Australia to like all of a sudden being perceived online and now being perceived in like an even bigger way. Like how has Mm -hmm. that felt going from just being like, oh, like I'm just going to like be on Tumblr doing this to all of a sudden being like perceived internationally i think it's important to find ways and this will differ from everybody but finding ways to stay grounded and present in the moment yeah just really trying to practice mindfulness and create some distance between yourself and that online sort of persona if anything touch mm. grass essentially yeah <laughs> if, you want, <laughs> if you want to be really blunt about it but no it's it's very easy to get and i remember initially back in 2016 as we started or 2017 as we started getting small taste of virality through YouTube and SoundCloud, it was very easy to sit there all day and just read comments and hit refresh and ruminate and allow those comments um, and those opinions to sort of dictate not only your art, but then also your lifestyle. Like it can really can affect you, but you can like my way at least of creating that distance is, I mean, one, trying to use my phone less, but for instance, um, when we did have a lot of that TikTok virality with Young and then telephones and, you know, still going today, my version of that was just creating the worst possible content, just making really bad memes, like just making mm-hmm. really awful memes because it took zero effort, but it maximized like potential reach audience engagement. Like it was ticking every single box. And so That's great. a lot of people were just <laughs> like, oh, this band's really funny. Or, oh, this is just really like 
genuine or sweet because it's down to earth content it's not like yeah i think tiktok especially like that's really geared towards like you have to want to be a personality and for some people yeah. that can work but that's already tricky enough as a solo artist if you're a band then there's a whole bunch of you and it's like how do you balance that in a way where everyone feels included and everyone has representation and everyone connects with the project so that they can make good art like it's such a weird it's such a weird 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 thing but i guess doing it for so long now and having like gradual levels of being perceived like having those initial stages of like youtube or soundcloud like success and then right kind of keep slowly building it's not like it was like a huge overnight thing and then it's like i've got a million people on me it's like a very slow process and i think during that time i've also had like a lot of personal experiences that have informed how i carry myself or i've just become more confident and i think Mm. that helps with being perceived do you feel like you have an artist persona like a character yeah, like or a stage persona or something that's like separate from like who you are as Campbell when you're not being perceived by people. <laughs> nah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No, I I don't know. Maybe like uh actually that that's a good question. That's like a do I put on a mask or something? Yeah. Or like, yeah. like a superhero type beat, like I'm Batman. <laughs> no, I I don't really think so. I guess there's a part of myself that like is inherently different when I'm around Joey, Jake, Nate they bring out qualities of myself that would be like that is vacations it's the four of us we're kind of this boy band but I don't think I I try to put on any kind of if anything I'm trying to find ways to break that down because I'm just like you and it's like I don't want to be this like fucking rock star untouchable yeah yeah it's it's, it's not pleasant I don't enjoy it like it's weird okay so we're we're getting into a lot of things that I really love (laughs) and I think we're gonna circle back on some of this here but I do want to get into your album for a minute so no place like home obviously grapples with a lot of big topics was primarily written during like pandemic years you know mental health being one of those topics but I want to talk about this overarching theme of like quite literally no place like home and the idea of you know being a full-time musician it comes with spending a lot of days on the road, which, you know, you experienced a lot last year and being in this kind of constant state of transition is not something that a lot of people experience. And like, from my personal experience, I spent a couple months abroad and I remember how weird it was to like constantly be moving around. And I feel like friendships became really weird because of that. So I can only imagine like for you, what it's been like with this being part of your job and having to kind of navigate relationship dynamics. It is a tricky balance. I find that settling into Los Angeles has been interesting, especially when I am constantly traveling and I am constantly touring. And it's almost like there's this lifestyle that I know I could have and I could be very grounded and just carry out my day to day here. But I'm like I said earlier, the most amount of time I've spent here consistently has been two weeks. So yeah, trying to find a community or foster that community make friends, which as an adult is surprisingly hard, which I've just yeah. I've never had to encounter before because this is the first I mean, time that's, I've moved. It's hard for people who live in like making friends as an adult is like hard, even if you live know, in the same is, city all the time. Like <laughs> It is really hard. And I think it's something that needs to be talked about a lot more because at the end of the day, everyone just wants to feel accepted for who they are and it's tricky it's very tricky i think as well it's it's almost as if i have been conditioned in a sense to be touring to be constantly on the road and that is a lifestyle that gives me stability and routine even though it is the most chaotic lifestyle you could possibly have and i don't think a lot of people could do it and that's a good thing you shouldn't want to be doing this (laughs) (laughs) just constantly going from one city to the next, changing time zones, always being surrounded by people, not having your own space. But it's what I know. And so again, like when I do finally get to stop and slow down and try to practice that, it's this very confronting, weird realization. And there's almost this part of me that's like, oh, okay, I think I could just keep touring 
or I think I could just yeah. keep doing something else. Like I need to keep yeah. moving. So the idea of actually stopping for a second and actually being back here is, is bizarre. But I will say like it, it is getting easier. I've actually been really excited to come back home to Los Angeles after being in New York. I mean, so I know like 2022 and 2023 were like very busy for y'all, but Mm-hmm. Thinking of like COVID, like 2020 happening again, a time when the future of live music is so precarious and just unpredictable. And like, we didn't know if it was going to come back. Were you dealing with kind of like the same emotions then of having to be in the same place? Or was that not as much a feeling based on like where you were in your career at the time? Uh Girl, I don't know. I was so depressed (laughs) because we had just dropped our second album, Forever in Bloom, during the pandemic. And we were really excited about it because it was an effort that we were really proud of. um, And we felt like it really showcased who we were as artists and individuals. But we couldn't tour it. And then at the same time, Young became the biggest song of our whole discography, which came out like, what, five, four years ago, like prior to that. So it was this weird, like, what do we do kind of thing and it just sort of felt like the whole project was in limbo for like the next year or two which is why I hit writer's block and I really struggled to write anything because I was like I don't know what this project represents anymore felt like I lost a sense of my individuality and I was like what is my voice how do I connect back to that so something that did help during that time was that I started pursuing songwriting and production for others and because there was Mm. some degree of separation that was actually really helpful and I think taking a break from a project like that and working with your friends and working with other people and just seeing how other people work was able to help inform my own creative process and I was able to grow as a person as I was like sharing these stories and hearing other people and what they were going through so that was really helpful and then like as the world started to open up again and we were finally able to tour that first US tour like March 2022 like Mm -hmm. just completely changed everything because finally it's like we weren't seeing statistics on a screen because the record label obviously during the pandemic was like oh you hit a new milestone you got like right 10,000 more plays and it's like this doesn't yeah what does that mean mean anything to me yeah at a certain point it's just like well it's like I've got more Instagram followers like (laughs) yeah yeah or it's like oh I got more likes on my picture it's just like it doesn't which sounds weird because it's what everybody wants but when you don't have that like physical tangible connection with someone in the room because they're there listening to the music and you're having this moment together it's kind of it's weird it's like disassociative or something so when we did a show at the roxy like the first u.s show we did sold out like i think it's like 400 500 people in the room just like seeing everyone connect to the music sing the words back everything then in that moment just made sense and then yeah that's how like i started getting back into writing and yeah it's that thing of like while you're writing music about like your own personal experiences like the whole point Mm. of like creating music is really to share it with others and like have that kind of connection between listener and artist. And like you've mentioned in past interviews that like you like to keep your lyrics kind of like ambiguous and like non-gendered to create like this like universe this like universal idea which, of relatability. I'm, I'm starting to change that. Back, which <laughs> I, I read I, all I, of I, the lyrics on this album. There's not a <laughs> single gender in any song, Campbell. <laughs> Because you that did is also true. say that. You did also say that in an interview and I was like, where are the genders? <laughs> <laughs> that is true. But in, say, in, but in saying that, in saying that, like songs like Midwest are very like blunt 
literal to the point like this is what i'm actually going through whereas songs on previous records were more like here's a flowery metaphor and (laughs) like you you don't know what it is like here's your own interpretation and i was like uh i want to start writing a little bit more direct still non-gendered because i don't really want to gender songs and i don't really care about that but i mean like pete once in fallout boy has done that too like you can't find a fallout boy song with genders in the lyrics either but like we've talked to a lot of artists about the way that fans interpret songs and how music is like somewhat of a language that listeners can translate into their own lived experience like the language they speak and so like Mm -hmm. do you feel like as a songwriter and like in the style in which you write like it allows you some sort of personal distance between the songs and yourself and then like when you find yourself in conversation with fans and they're being like oh like i listened to this song this meant so much to me and you're like where did you come up with that like it doesn't yeah, that, change that it doesn't like change your feelings about the song as much because you're like oh well i did that for a reason for them to do that yeah songwriting's to be completely honest i feel like most of the time when i write a song i have no idea what i'm writing about i feel like it's almost like going to therapy and then you know you feel mm. like you're in a good place and you're like i don't need to go today i'm good and then you go and then all of these feelings and emotions just pour out of you yeah. and you're like oh yeah. my god and it's like, I feel like songwriting is similar to that because it it's not like I plan like exactly what I'm going right. to write. Maybe I know yeah. subconsciously what I will say, but some moments it's like, wow, I just wrote this whole song. I just wrote all these lyrics. And in that specific moment, I might have an idea of what it means, but usually I won't figure it out till like a week, six months later, maybe sometimes a year yeah. because songs, songs and songwriting is something that I view as quite dynamic. So it should mm change over time i don't think a song necessarily has to have like the exact same meaning all the time and then it's like there's my meaning there's your meaning someone else's meaning a lot of people (laughs) i think it's cute a lot of people um think my songs are love songs like all the time and it's like no they're (laughs) not but i i appreciate that some people think that i don't know it's i think it's a really interesting experience and especially like as soon as that song goes out into the world it's not really yours yeah. Anymore, yeah it's everybody's to dissect yeah. and mangle and interpret as they wish that's really interesting because like also in like reading interviews that you've done like you've been so forthcoming about like your personal mental health issues which i find very admirable because like a lot of other Thank artists you. will be like oh yeah i struggle with mental health but like don't go into that's specifics. the conversation yeah and it's like kind of yeah. just like okay like i struggle that's it and it's like okay that's relatable but and so i but. think like the fact that it is it was just <laughs> It was just it was really interesting to like kind of see the juxtaposition of like your songs being kind of like, okay, I can interpret this how I want. And then in interviews, you're like so comfortable being so like explicitly honest about your personal struggles, Mm. which I don't think a lot of artists do. So do you feel like the like pseudo lyrical ambiguity that you have and then like the honesty you have in interviews is like something you've done consciously to like balance out how like (laughs) forthcoming you are? Not particularly i think in terms of honesty and like interviews or conversations i just genuinely like talking about mental health and i think it's a stigma that needs to continue to be broken down um especially like as a man that's a funny sentence to say but going to therapy and just being really open about these thoughts and feelings especially because like i spent three years in therapy um and at first i was just going because i was like i think i have like a generalized anxiety or depression or something like that and we were trying to just navigate through that and figure it out and then finally getting to that point where it's like okay there's actually something deeper here and being able to have that conversation and get that diagnosis of pure ocd and then i've found that by doing that it's almost become this strength of mine to have so much like emotional empathy towards others and just Mm -hmm. have those conversations because it comes up so often in songwriting if I'm doing songwriting with other people it's like people come in every day and they're like oh I'm going through this oh I'm going through that and you have to know 
how to be able to talk about those feelings and you want yeah. to be able to write a song and the most important part of the song is the emotional weight of it like it has to connect with other people like that's yeah. Yeah. so paramount that's what that's why people listen to music so i don't know i i just i just like talking about it it's i, I find it yeah. fun to talk about even though it's like a big scary topic i find it really yeah, fun that's incredible and like I, jenna and i have had like conversations before like on the podcast and also just like with other male guests that come on the podcast just about like the stigma around mental health and how the conversation mm. hadn't really moved until maybe like a decade ago and like even more so with like male mental health maybe the last like five to seven years and so it is like very important because there are like countless artists that come out and are like oh yeah this album's about mental health and then don't really talk about it and it's like okay i understand yeah. i can interpret mm. the, the the music you're putting out to understand what you mean but like you're not going to help move the conversation forward unless you're going to like actually have the conversation. I think something that really annoys me as well is that it's almost becoming trendy and there's a certain language of like pop psychology yeah. that gets thrown around a lot. I think it's great that we were all talking about it, but I think there has to be some nuance and depth to it as well because I think it's great to write a song about like, you know, ooh, I have anxiety, but like let's talk about that a bit deeper. Yeah, right. Let's not use it because it's trendy buzzwords on TikTok yeah. or Instagram was actually try to dissect that language and try to understand what it means and not dilute the meaning in the same way that say like like gaslight toxic yeah. like those words yeah. don't carry any weight anymore and even yeah even yeah. I tend to find now as well it's like uh neurodivergent is a word that's lost meaning and it's like yeah. being a person actually had is neurodivergent it's like let's not do that yeah yeah that actually affects me like and it affects others yeah well okay so all this is really interesting because i mean you're kind of like when you're going into the studio to write it's very mm. much like you said like you're like sometimes i don't know what's going to come out and then it's like going to therapy and there's all these things like bubbling at the surface that like you didn't even realize it's just very interesting because i feel like it's like this process of like getting it out there having time to sit mm. and reflect on it, then it's like the record is coming out and you're like, okay, now I'm like, now that I have some distance between like myself when I wrote it to now, I'm realizing like I can like talk about it in a more comfortable place of this is what I was going through and kind of tie some yeah. of those things together so that by the time you get to doing something like a promotional cycle, you're like willing, but also like able to talk about it from like a different kind of headspace. Yeah, totally. Because it's not as raw or in the moment yeah because i think some like sometimes when you're in the middle of going through it you almost like don't necessarily realize what you're going through and like even yeah. you like mentioning like getting your your diagnosis where it felt like it helped you like understand a lot more like mm, i feel like yeah, that's kind of like a commonality we've seen with some of our artists that we've spoken to is like when they're songwriting they're getting things out and it's like not until later that you kind of look at it from a different perspective it's so funny writing a song and then like you want to show your bandmates and you're like mm, okay i'm gonna hit play and you hit space bar and you'll just stand in a room really awkwardly for like three or four <laughs> minutes and, and it's like they just hearing all the lyrics for the first time you're like oh my god like this like, is my oh, deepest darkest secrets uh, thanks for coming I, to my ted talk yeah yeah it's like oh no so you say that about like giving that to your band but yeah. do you feel any kind of way when now you're like giving it to an audience of people I don't know. Um, I wish I had an answer for that. If anything, it, it's kind of funny to me. I'm like, oh, wow, there's all these thoughts and feelings and now it's out into the world. It almost doesn't feel like me yeah. anymore. It's just like, that's yeah. past me. And I'm like, that's cool. That's really sick yeah. that he went and did all these things. And now it's out <laughs> into the world. I, again, it's, it's something that's dynamic. It'll change over time. It'll change when I start to perform these songs live for the first time. Yeah. It'll change depending on what the visuals are for the show, the merchandise, how people connect with it, how I curate that experience with my band members and our team. Yeah, it's just something that's always ever changing. So I'm excited to see how that goes. 
Yeah. Yeah. So in thinking of like when you go to tour these songs or even the experiences you've had so far touring, I'm sure like there's an aspect of fans coming up and wanting to have like some pretty deep conversations with you about, you know, mental health or other struggles they've been through. And I know like Mm. that can be a difficult thing to do if, you know, it's like you're meeting this person for the first time, but they've listened to all of your songs. And so they have like kind of like this parasocial relationship with you. But then it's like on top of that, there's also like the emotional highs and lows of touring. So it's like emotional highs and lows of interacting with people, but as well, just like the energy exchange, you know? It's a lot. Whilst I find it a really gratifying and like humbling experience to have people tell me what they're going through and how they relate to the songs and such and such when we get to talk after a show. I think sometimes you can hear it so many times that it almost loses meaning, which sounds Mm -hmm. kind of terrible. But like, for instance, the amount of times I've heard people say like, oh, this song helped me get through a breakup or oh, this song helped me get through this. It's just like, oh, that's fantastic. But it's like with every time I hear that, I can only give so much back. And it's like, yeah, the first person to have ever said that to me would have gotten the full emotional like depth of that. And now I feel like I'm just giving like a blanket like NPC response. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for your time. No, I, I do, it genuinely does mean a lot to me. I'm not going to be that yeah. person. No, I mean, like, it can be twofold. Like, you're a human with emotions. Like, it can both mean a lot to you and also be like, what, like, <laughs> it, it can also be confusing to know how to react. Like, after you have, like, a similar conversation with different people. Because, again, it's like, it's like that thing where you, like, see somebody, like, hot on the airplane and <laughs> they're, like, your hot airplane crush. But, like, they yeah. have, like, a whole life with, like, gossip and problems that, like, you're unaware <laughs> of. But, like, for you, they're just, like, a character. You're going to like text your friends about like after the plane lands and so it's like that thing where like these are people with multitudes and to them like you are like a main character in their life because of your music but to you which is which is too much and and i always try and use the strategy of like throwing the conversation back onto them because people like yeah oh you got me into music and i'm like that's cool that's really like that's sick i'm trying hard not to swear mm-hmm. but i'm like that's sick and i'm like okay so tell me about your band how long have you been playing for like i will just shoot every yeah. possible question i can at them yeah. because that's yeah. more interesting to me i don't want them yeah. to ask yeah all these questions that i've well, already okay. answered this is like, like yeah no i this is really interesting because sarah and i have talked about how like certain bands will have like a really strong community fan base around them and fans mm-hmm. will be like oh like they did this for me they did this for me but like it what it comes down to is fans creating things with each other to build community and like you're just saying like once you release an album it feels like it's not necessarily yours anymore like it's for Mm. everyone and so it's almost like there's this aspect of like in like you're saying you're having these conversations with fans and there's this aspect of like it's almost more about them and like maybe should be more about them no totally totally i think we've tried to like find ways to engage with fans whether that's for instance the wild west tour where it's like we just want to see everybody dress up as cowboys and cowgirls (laughs) yeah that's what everyone did and it was just like really beautiful to see everyone share their photos and like talk to each other and just really cute ways of doing that but no i do think community is paramount when it comes to this kind of thing and especially like the longevity of a band and i do want to try and find more ways because i don't want to be just like we play we play like indie music and we're four white dudes. So it's like <laughs> the most bland vanilla combination you could possibly get. And it's like, how can we differentiate ourselves from other indie bands yeah. like that? You know, like a hundred percent. But also it's like back to the point we made earlier about like how even just like making friends as an adult is hard and like having something like music in common with other people is such a big thing. And so it's just like that interesting thing of like when bands like talk about like creating like a community and like being part of that community. I'm like, you don't need to be a part of it because 
<laughs> it's not for you. It's for your fans to make friends with like-minded people because like at the end of the day, no matter how much us as music fans like want to be like, oh yes, like I'm part of this community with Harry Styles. And if I met him, we'd be buddies. <laughs> like it's not going to happen. But no. you can be friends with the people that are standing next to you and experiencing that show together and like who find deep, important meaning in that music. And so I just think like that aspect of it is really cool and kind of bringing it back to the fans when they're like, oh, you helped me through a breakup. And it's like, okay, let's talk about your breakup instead of my breakup. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Too. Cause like I, it's, it's all there in song. Like you already know, like I want to know about yeah. you kind of thing. I hope, God, I hope fans are like actually engaging with each other though, because the last tour, Tourzilla, some shows like people were really invested and in like singing and dancing and crying. And yeah. there was so much engagement. I remember um, at the New York show, we play a song called mm -hmm. Glow and there was like a slow dance circle pit. Like people were just oh like each other and dancing and like it was really cute and then you go to some other shows and people are just not doing anything like <laughs> yeah and then they t like just completely blank stare like or they're on their phone just recording the whole concert and then they tell yeah. you afterwards that that yeah. was the best show of their life yeah or you know then they have that emotional outpour to you and you're, you're just like really like are you sure about that yeah. i find it really <laughs> difficult to connect with that when you're just not doing anything like it's it's a strange strange thing I'm assuming it's like Gen Z, iPad babies struggling <laughs> with the pandemic. I mean, honestly, maybe some people going to their first concerts for the first time. I feel like a lot of, I don't know, teenagers. We, we, we who, asked that. We asked that as yeah. a question. We're like, is this anyone's first show? And a lot of hands go up. Oh, wow. Which is so fair. I remember my first few shows, I was like, whoa, what is going on? What do I do? But it's it's like, I just, I'm curious to see over the next couple of years if like people will start moshing or start dancing or it's like, you know, it's okay to do these things yeah. at a show. It's, it's what happens. Well, I also wonder if part of it is like this politics of politeness almost of like I think I, it is. you guys you guys posted that one reel that's really funny of someone being like yes sir and then the person like shut the f up like <laughs> and <laughs> That killed me. That was so funny. That video funny. brings me joy often. Uh, like I, that, I think yeah. about it. Like sometimes I'll just go watch it on loop, you know, like for a laugh. Yep. But that is so real. I don't understand what compels some people to do the things they do at shows. It's like okay, so we're not singing the words, we're not dancing, we're not moshing, we're not doing anything, but we will throw things on stage. We will mm. use our phones as like a billboard to like advertise to the artist, like certain requests. It almost feels as if we we're like a prop or something on stage. Yeah. But yeah, it's so weird. It's so strange to see how like uh, show etiquette has changed over yeah. time. Now that you're at this stage, comparatively having grown up being a music fan, like were there mm. experiences like at concerts or just like your relationship to other artists, like looking up to aspiring to other artists that you feel like you learned from and bring into the way you operate now? So I didn't I didn't get into music like seriously till I was about 14 or 15. Yeah. And it was because one of my best friends had Guitar Hero 3 and I would go to his house all the time, sometimes to literally just play the game. And I got so good at it that I could play some songs like medium difficulty without looking at the screen. And I was like, I have a problem. <laughs> like I need to play a real guitar. And my eldest brother um, was in some hardcore bands. So he had a guitar, picked it up, started going onto YouTube and learning how to play like Iron Man by Black Sabbath. And then from there, I just became like a very annoying indie kid 
at school that listened to like Radiohead and Neutral Milk Hotel and just thought they were superior. So from there, <laughs> there's a venue in Sydney called the Enmore Theatre. I would always get the train down to see bands. So like My Bloody Valentine, Slow Dive, Godspeed You Black Emperor, um, like a lot of shoegaze and post-rock bands. But I would always get that train down and get the train back at like one in the morning. I don't think I'd get back to like five in the morning, oh back God. to Newcastle, walk back home. Wow. But a lot of those like early years were like quite formative from just going to shows and seeing these big productions and like you know realizing it's like oh cool you can actually like make a career out of this and express yourself and that's just something so incredible and I just did not understand it and I wanted to know more for sure well I think it's also I mean coming back to kind of like what we were talking about at the beginning like I think it's also interesting that like you were making music at a time like when SoundCloud and and YouTube were really big and as far as music discovery and like I was really big into SoundCloud and I discovered like a lot of honestly British bands like from there bring it back yeah like the way just the way tiktok operates is just so wildly different and so for you i mean i don't know i guess kind of just revisiting what we already said it's like you experienced like baby tiktok before tiktok existed and like not even in the same way but just more more of a slow paced social media platform i loved soundcloud so much because it felt like facebook but purely for musicians because i could listen i could go listen to someone else's song but then i could also leave a comment i could send them a dm could collab with people and i mean also like thinking of how far you've come in your career and like we're talking about this being 10 years later and you kind of touched on this a little bit earlier but just to revisit like (laughs) we were talking we were talking about like you know for fans coming to your show it's kind of funny because they see you the fans are like oh this is a rock star and you're they're like you've made it like to, no but it's like but, but no we're no I, about, I, like, I get it I get it I get it I get it I just like I always try to break down that barrier because people are like oh my god like you're a somebody I'm like shut the fuck like you're you're good <laughs> like tell me about you <laughs> I'm, I'm just, also a, dude just I'm a dude you're a dude like let's let's talk yeah. about being dudes you know like, but I think <laughs> yeah yeah no I told I totally get that but there's this sense of like oh you were following a dream and like quote unquote you made it and I feel like mm. it's one of those things where it's like you turned your passion into the thing that also is your life's work that makes you money and so like are you able to separate your passion for music or does it just feel like a 24 7 never-ending job oh that's a good question I remember I was working two casual jobs in hospitality when I was about 21 22 and then I think we had about maybe 300,000 monthly listeners by that point and it was like we were getting just enough Spotify royalties that I could quit both those jobs and just live off what I was earning and I think I was earning maybe like 250 a week and I was like cool I'm just gonna run with this and take it as far as I possibly can and it's just snowballed from there but I think maybe that is again sort of in a similar vein of like songwriting and like finding meaning in it and what you're trying to express it's a similar thing of like it is just dynamic and there are some sessions that you know feel like work because you're trying to figure out how to best express this idea and you're not quite getting it whether it's like a drum sound or like the vocal takes just aren't hitting in the way that you want or maybe you're working with somebody and it's just not quite panning out or i don't know it it, there it definitely does feel like work on some days but i would much rather be doing this than anything else yeah when we were talking about like going from the album that you released in um 2020 to to this one Mm -hmm. like there's an aspect of 
feeling like you want to keep up both like the artistry, like continue to be able to produce like artistry on the same level, but also just like the steam of people continuing to care and like mm. the pressures that come with that. Yeah, I'm honestly surprised that people have hung around like because it's been four years since the last album. But, like for real though, like, yeah, like I don't I, know, well, I, I didn't know when it was going to come out. I was like, okay, yeah. I'm just going to start writing. And then it's like, there's still people there listening to it and connecting with the music. If anything, there's more people than ever. I don't know. It's such a rhetorical question. Like, I, I don't know, but I'm just really <laughs> grateful for it. Like, how does any of this work? The music industry is such a like magical wonderland that makes yeah. no sense. Do you feel like there's pressure between albums to be like, not from the label, like personal pressure? to be like seen on the internet like between albums so it's like as to keep you forefront in your fans minds when you're like i know there's more music in me i just don't know when it's gonna come not so much to be seen on the internet because i feel like i can just sort of play like adult peekaboo and make a post like <laughs> once every six months and you're like hey i'm still here and if anything people are like oh my god they're back oh and then it just creates this like false PR spin but um yeah I, I think like if anything there can be some frustration where it's like okay well I want to start writing more music but you're not you can't express it and yeah. it feels like you've got this wall or this boundary up and it's like well what's it going to take for me to get over that so that I right. can start expressing myself again and it's hard too because it's like well it's it's worse when you know what you want to write about but you can't find any way to express that you're like oh these chords aren't working or this guitar tone's not right or it, yeah. it just feels so silly at that point. Yeah, no, that's interesting. So I do feel like we could continue this conversation for literal hours and then we could charge you like mm -hmm. we're a therapist, but we do. <laughs> 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 so for a last question, we have a question that we like to ask everybody. And it's that like the ethos Excited. of name three songs is to empower fangirls. We think it's important to be critical consumers, but also celebrate the things we love unapologetically. So Campbell, mm -hmm. what are you a fangirl of? I am a fangirl of production because the way that you produce a song informs the emotional output of the song because it's like for instance a song like young or telephones they were just recorded in a bedroom or a living yeah. room with very limited amounts of experience and mm. equipment but there's still some level of emotional depth to it which is why it's gone as far as it has and i find that so interesting it's it's like this never-ending rabbit hole it's like i'm just going to keep going down and i, I, I want to keep chasing ways to make people feel a certain way yeah. because yeah. that is songwriting but again it's like what choices you make whether it's like how the drums sound what delays you use what guitar tone you use all in form the final product and how people connect with it so that's something i definitely fangirl out and nerd out a lot about also <laughs> something i kind of I, I i would be interested in like doing some kind of youtube series and like you know to try and engage more with fans and creating that community and being like this is how i do things yeah how do you do things almost like a masterclass <laughs> or like just a little 101 i think it'd be cute because it's like yeah, how yeah. i find it really fun when people are like oh this is how i got this sound or this is how i did this thing mm. and it just breaks down that barrier and it's like wow anybody can do it there's so much gatekeeping in yeah. the music yes. industry yeah and a lot of producers are just old white dudes and it's like well i'm not going to share these secrets and it's like why like yeah no one's yeah. going to be able to do it exactly like you can do it yeah. but maybe they can do something else and that's exciting like yeah absolutely i mean i do think that would be a very fun way to engage like both the things that you love and also like have a conversation with fans 
Yeah, yeah, totally. So that's uh, I, I fangirl out a lot about like analog gear, microphones, pedals, all, all kinds of stuff. We are very happy for producer Campbell and to see what you continue <laughs> to <laughs> produce in the future. Um, I want to give you. a big congratulations on the album and we're so excited it's out in the world. And thank you, Campbell, for joining us today. That's okay. Thank you so much for having me. I love this idea of once the music is out there it's no longer for campbell it is for the fans (laughs) i love that so much because like in so many other interviews we've done we've talked with other artists about like and we talked about it today too we've talked about how like everybody interprets lyrics in their own way and all of this and campbell's like yeah the music's not mine anymore like i gave it to the fans for the fans to like figure out what it means to them and enjoy the music and have it do for them what music does for music listeners. And I just think like, that's really beautiful. I think it is beautiful. Yeah. I feel like there's like a lot of artists are like, so I don't know, view their music as like their child and they're so like protective over it and stuff. And Campbell's like, it's not mine. It's not for me anymore. I think it's really special. And I also like what Campbell was saying about kind of like his interaction with fans wanting it to like him to get to know this person who like loves his music so deeply, because obviously this person, you know, already knows a certain aspect of Campbell and Campbell being able to have Mm -hmm. a two way interaction with fans. I think that's really great. Yeah. The whole idea of being like, you already know my story. I want to hear yours. Like, I just think that that's another thing of just proving how much like music can be a community and like artists continuing to like give roses to their fans for creating something off the back of what they've done rather than being like oh they created that like i'm the reason why this exists and it's like not that's not how it works yeah we really got to touch on so many great topics today including mental health and you know the dealing with being perceived as someone quite literally on the yeah. stage and finding home. And I think really it was such a great conversation with Campbell being able to talk about these topics. So thanks for getting candid with us and Campbell from Vacations. This has been Sarah and Jenna from Name Three Songs. If you have thoughts, feelings, questions, concerns, come chat with us over at Name Three Songs on Instagram or TikTok. And to get your pop culture fix, you can listen to new episodes of Name Three Songs podcast every Wednesday. And until next time, never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band. Thank you.